This is Speaking of Teens. I'm Ann Coleman. If you're new here, this is a bonus episode that we put out on Fridays. It's shorter and a little different format than the deeply researched single topic episodes that we drop on Tuesdays. So I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for listening and please come back again. Now, the first thing I want to talk to you about today is an app that I've somehow overlooked, and it's one that all parents and teens should really know about. It's called Be Me with Teens in Mind. I saw it in the news because they apparently just landed another enormous round of funding. Be Me is an app. It was founded in late 2021 by a clinical psychologist and an attorney with a background in digital products. And they're both parents of teenagers. And they really do seem to have a truly passionate interest in providing extremely accessible emotional health care for all teens, which is what this app is all about. On the website, it says that Be Me was created to make teens happier, to intervene early and prevent the need for more intensive levels of care while democratizing emotional health for those who don't always engage or have access to resources. Sounds good, right? Be Me is for ages 13 and up, and it's all about positive content, which the company both curates from other trusted sources and creates internally with experts, all of which is guided by their huge teen advisory board. They have like over 130 teens on this advisory board. Um, So that's great. And on the app, teens are able to access resources like self-guided trackers and self-assessments and mood-boosting activities. And it appears that everything is informed by clinical psychology. The really cool piece is the real-time coaching, therapy, and crisis services they provide with um, trained clinicians via text-based sessions. So it's texting within the app. And again, here's what their site says. BME's developmentally appropriate care is delivered by, by clinicians with expertise specifically in child and adolescent services and is measurement based at every step with validated assessment tools and quality assurance measures. So that sounds good too. Now, my understanding is from what I've read and what I've read on other um, sites about it is that they work with Medicaid, private insurance and employer health plans to provide teens with the access to these services. I did email them this afternoon as I record here tonight, Thursday evening, and I asked to clarify how insurance payments work and all of that, but I have not yet heard back from them. Um, I will update you next week if I do. The app has 3.7 or 3.7 score from the app store, but all the reviews I read from teens were really enthusiastic. The only lower ratings were, you know, like the app was spinning or it didn't do this fast enough or people that had suggestions for other um, things that they might want to add to the app. But most of the reviews I saw were five star. Um, for instance, here's what one reviewer had to say. I have not tried any of the life, life coaches yet because I have trouble talking to anyone about anything, but everything I have on the app has worked well. I would suggest some kind of average mood over the past month type of graph somewhere to make it even better so you can see your progress, but that's just an idea. Again, thank you so much for making a great app. I love it. Another person says I have had maybe two to three four coaches, but the best so far for me is Coach Vivian. I also love when you're done, you can decide if you would want them again. And then another person, and I'm assuming girl, I don't know why, but this app is amazing. It's helping me with so much. The coaches are so helpful. 
capitals, so, and this app is the only thing that's helped me track my mood so far. I saw an ad for it on TikTok, hmm, and I thought I could use something like it to help with my anxiety and lack of motivation, and I do not regret downloading it in any way. So, I mean, that sounds wonderful, and it's a free app, so, and apparently, hopefully, your insurance will pay for it or Medicaid will pay for it, so that's wonderful. I would definitely check it out. Again, I'll have all the links in the um, show notes. I am going to make show notes for these bonuses, by the way, so I'll have the link right there where you're listening, where you can go get all the links for everything I talk about today. Okay, this has been a pretty scary week around the Northeast, at least, and trickling on down to the eastern half of the U.S. All five boroughs in New York have been covered in a deep orange smoke from the at least 250 wildfires that are burning out of control across Canada. God, I'm so sorry, Canada. I hope everyone that's listening is safe. Officials have warned people in New York, at least, and probably lots of other states to stay inside, and flights have even been been delayed there and canceled. Broadway shows were canceled. Yankees games were canceled. It's really bad. Now, the air quality has been unhealthy all the way into regions in the mid-Atlantic. So an air quality index reading of 101 or more means if you have asthma or any respiratory condition, even heart and lung disease, you need to take precautions such as staying indoors or wearing an N95 mask over your mouth and nose if you must go outdoors. The same goes for elderly and children. They should be indoors. In and around New York, it peaked just over 400 Wednesday. Above 300 is considered hazardous. The air quality reading here in the U.S. comes from a thousand, literally 1,000 different monitors stationed across the U.S., all of which measure the density of five different pollutants like ground level ozone, carbon monoxide, and the like. The index tracks from zero to 500, with, of course, the higher number meaning a higher level of pollution. They use a color code with green being 0 to 50, all good, yellow 51 to 100, moderate level of pollution, orange is 101 to 150, that's the one that I just mentioned, unhealthy and uh, for sensitive groups like people with um, heart disease, asthma, that kind of thing, red is 151 to 200, that's unhealthy, and purple is 201 to 300, very unhealthy, and maroon is for 301 and higher, and it's hazardous. Now you can see all of this, and it's fascinating, at airnow.gov. And again, I'll have all the links for you, but it's airnow.gov. And it includes all the activities you should limit and the maps across the country, everything. Now in New York City Wednesday, the air quality index was 400 hazardous. I believe I read somewhere yesterday that that was the highest it's been since sometimes in the 1960s. Now, the West Coast is used to wildfires wreaking havoc on their air quality. It's hit between 200 and 300 in San Francisco, around that area, and 400 in Portland. It even hit 500 in Salem, Oregon in 2021. One of the best ways to track your local air quality is through that airnow.gov website. Right now, here where I am in Northeast Alabama, it's hovering around 70, so it's moderate, but the prediction for Friday, again, I'm recording on Thursday night, is apparently over 100. So we'll be in the orange and in the unhealthy for sensitive groups, as it says, by tomorrow. 
Now, here's what I worry about for our teens. Whether you live in the northeastern part of the U.S. or even another country, I worry that the issue of global warming is going to be weighing heavily on their minds this week. I just watched a Weather Channel video about how the record-breaking high temperatures in Canada have helped spawn all these wildfires. The heat is caused by stagnant high-pressure systems, which is a symptom of climate change. These systems dry out the landscape and just create kindling out of huge swaths of forests. They hear the news like this, our kids do, and they read these posts on social media, and many of them are very alarmed. They think about the world becoming a harder place to live in as they get older. And there's a study that's been published in the Lancet Planetary Health in 2021 in which 10,000 adolescents from 10 different countries between the ages of 16 and 25 were surveyed about their thoughts and feelings on climate change and government responses on the issue. The researchers found that 59% of the respondents were very or extremely worried and 84% were at least moderately worried about climate change. More than half of those adolescents reported feeling sad, anxious, angry, powerless, helpless, and guilty. And almost half said these feelings negatively affected their daily lives and functioning. 75% said that the future is frightening, and 83% said they think people have failed to take care of the planet. Now, let me just say this. This has absolutely nothing to do with your politics, your stance on the issue of global warming, the science, none of it. This has to do with your kids' mental health. That's it. It doesn't matter a single bit what you think. What matters is how your child feels about this. If your child indicates they're worried about climate change, especially in light of the wildfires going on right now and all the smoke in the air that they can clearly see, you must take their feelings seriously, no matter your feelings about it. Acknowledge that this is pretty darn scary, even for adults. Please don't tell them not to feel the way they do. That will only make them feel worse and create disconnection between the two of you. Do the same thing with your younger kids and let them know you've got this. It's your job to protect the family. Let your kids know, yes, scientists are concerned, but I'm confident if we all do our part, we can avoid major problems. Something like that. Mental health experts say participating in activism may actually lift symptoms of depression in young people. They're doing something. They're no longer powerless if they're actually out there doing something. So like working with a local group, signing a petition, anything to get involved. And you could even suggest that. It's even better if the whole family can get involved together. And you can make a plan as a family to reduce your carbon footprint. That will help them feel like, you know, you're doing something, you're taking it seriously, and it will help them not to feel so powerless and out of control. Again, I'll be sure to add some links for all of those things. If you want to get involved, if they want to get involved, I'll be sure to put the links in the show notes for you. let's talk about a trend that has been around for three or four months at least. It was all over the news in uh, like mid-March and April. It's called the Borg. 
and I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but um, I just saw it today when I was looking through the news and trying to find things to tell you about because, um, of course, it's a TikTok thing. And it's really been a college kid thing, or it was at least back in March. Um, it's a new party drink, if you don't know, that they mix up in gallon jugs. Borg stands for Blackout Rage Gallon. Blackout Rage Gallon. Great. Hashtag Borg on TikTok has over 80 million views. And generally, anything that starts in that college age group eventually trickles down to our younger kids in high school. Now, it varies as to what they actually mix up in these gallon jugs, but it starts generally as a gallon of water, like distilled water, drinking water, whatever. And then they pour some of it out and they add alcohol. And they've been known to add at least a fifth of alcohol generally vodka, along with a little juice or some electrolytes, maybe some vitamin B, artificial sweetener, or these natural little squeeze things of flavor enhancers, even food coloring for some reason. And um, some of them squeeze those whole bottles of the flavoring in there. And that stuff contains a ton of caffeine. So it just depends on how much they put in there. But so they're adding caffeine, and it apparently enhances um, how drunk you're getting. So here's what one TikToker says about it. It's essentially a hack to drink a bunch, have a crazy night, and not feel terrible about it the next day. Good luck with that, my friend, because I don't care if you're drinking 17 shots of alcohol, no amount of electrolytes or water is going to minimize that feeling the next day. And apparently this at least partially started because kids were deciding that rather than having the red solo cup all night, it lets them be in control of making their own drink and just carrying the gallon jug around with them. It's protected from other people putting things in it because they keep the little lid on it. And it also does protect you from germs, from people mixing up the giant vats of jungle juice. So that's where the benefits of this end though. They apparently think that by adding water and electrolytes or B12 or whatever, that they won't have as bad of a hangover, which is totally not true. Plus, they end up drinking way more alcohol than they even realize. And so it's alcohol poisoning just waiting to happen. And teenagers are likely already giving it a go, especially if they have big brothers, big sisters, and they know about this trend in college or they're watching it on TikTok. So... Watch your gallon jugs, your empty gallon jugs or your gallon jugs of water and watch for empties laying around and just include this in your, you know, part of your continuing conversation with them about drinking and other risky behaviors. Ask questions about what people around them are doing, what they're curious about, what they've done, and then don't get upset about it when you hear the answers. Listen first ask questions to clarify, get them to think about how they feel about what they've told you and what their own values are. That's the benefit of little discussions, short little discussions like this. Okay, and I'm sorry, I could not leave you without this last little story today. Um, I saw a story today, and any story that starts with Florida man in the title. I mean, I have to read it. I just have to read it. So 
All I can say is thank God for Florida, because growing up in Alabama, you had to really search to find another state that represented itself worse. And that's awful. I'm sorry if you live in Florida. I live in Alabama. So there you go. The story right now is all over the news. So maybe you've seen it. This fellow was at a family reunion in Tampa Bay when a fight broke out between a couple of family members, which, you know, that always happens at a family reunion. And this Florida man stepped in to break it up and was bitten on the leg by, I don't know, we'll call him Cousin Eddie. And by the third day, Florida man's leg was so nasty and infected and so sore, he couldn't walk. So he was taken to the ER. They rushed him straight into surgery because it looked so ugly. And turns out he has necrotizing fasciitis. You know what that is? More commonly known as flesh-eating disease. This scary bacterial condition can be caused by a number of different types of bacteria entering broken skin, most commonly streptococcus, as in strep throat. The surgeon was quoted as saying, there's a lot of really bad bacteria that live between our teeth and our gums in our mouth. Yikes. So cousin Eddie had strep bacteria in his mouth and his bite caused this bacteria to eat away at Florida man's leg, which they had to carve up a bit in surgery. And the doctor said if he had waited one more day, he would have lost his leg. Moral of the story, let him fight it out. At least when you're at a family reunion in Florida. Okay, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Come join us in the Speaking of Teens Facebook group to get free parenting support. And please share this episode with a friend. Until Tuesday, don't let anyone bite you.